0: It's a Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Joe Galina, and each and every week, I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu.
1: How's it going there, Scott? Doing fantastic. Had a, Having a pretty nice weekend. Not a whole lot of plans in, except for my, the first of my wife's six or whatever birthday plans, because it's birthday month. It's, it's actually birthday quarter, I think, is how she <laughs> deals with it. It's her birthday quarter. So, you know, a couple things to do, but this week, I got out of most of it.
0: Not bad, not bad. She should celebrate her birthday as much as she can. Every day should be uh, celebrated as her birthday. But uh, I know you said it's a couple of weeks away or a week away. So, but uh, still, uh, I wish her a very happy birthday. And it's great that you were able to get out today. Spent some time at the beach myself yesterday. Today uh, in the Northeast, it's kind of like a cloudy day on and off drizzle. But uh, just to give our listeners some uh, reference point, We are recording this podcast Sunday, August 8th, at about 5.30 or so Eastern time. And we're uh, into the first week of August. And Scott, trade deadlines in the fantasy leagues are quickly approaching. Actually, in some leagues, I think they've passed. But like, for instance, in Yahoo League, it's coming up August 12th is one. So really getting to the heart and soul of this Fantasy baseball season.
1: Yeah, I I didn't realize it was coming up until I realized people were actually like texting and emailing me Mm -hmm. like I was getting messages and it wasn't like my wife, my (laughs) boss or someone trying to sell me something. I was like, man, what is this? I'm not used to all this attention. And it's because I've got stuff they want. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely that time of year, which can be very fun, uh, but also sometimes a bit sobering when you're really realizing like, oh, I guess it is over.
0: Mm hmm. (laughs) Yeah, there's still plenty of time. We have just about two months left to the fantasy baseball season. But you're right. that You know, once you get close to that trade deadline within individual fantasy leagues, then, you know, it's crunch time, right? I, I mean, and, and now is the time to make your move and go all in. I mean, if you're a dedicated fantasy baseball player, not just a casual guy or gal who's just playing in fantasy baseball to pass the time until fantasy football season starts. But if you're really into fantasy baseball and you want to win your league and who doesn't uh, and you're in striking distance. So there's a few things you could do, right? I mean, you obviously you need to uh, really bear down, make your move, go all in, but take a look at the, 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 really take a close look at the standings, right. And see where it makes sense for you to possibly make that move. Right. And then, Uh, you know, plan accordingly.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's kind of funny. It's easier to do it when we're talking about our favorite teams going in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, they gotta be sellers have Mm -hmm. to be sellers. Uh, it's harder with our own fantasy teams, but you know, especially if you're in a keeper dynasty, this is a good time to be thinking about what am I gearing up for? Mm -hmm. You know, I I mean, it's been that way for a little while in redraft though. There's no such thing as a fire sale, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you're either not doing anything because you know it, it was just a terrible start to the season and it's a fire over. Fire
0: sale is called collusion in a redraft. Yeah, right? yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so now it's it's time for you. You know, if you're in if you're in sixth, then it's a fourteen playoff, or seventh, then it's a fourteen playoff, or eighth, and it's a sixteen playoff. And you know, I mean, obviously, the one thing that's nice about redraft is you don't have to worry about what's actually attainable, right? If there's unless you're eliminated, give it a whirl. Mm-hmm. Right, like yeah. Again, if you're twelfth and you're thirty games back, you're probably not making up thirty games, right? But otherwise, right, you're in. You're an eighth and you're back by ten. You could do that in those leagues that count one win per category, mm-hmm. or you know, you're two or three games back, and it's you know, you're you're two or three whole games back, but you've got a shot. Go ahead and do it. I think you just have to be smart about how you're going to do it. You can't just trade for better players, right? Right. Because right. it sounds so silly to say that but that's what everybody's trying to do i want to trade for better players but that means someone has to someone on the other side has to be feeling like they're giving up worse like they're getting worse players mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so like it's silly as it is to say that and it sounds so obvious um if you've been in fantasy long enough you realize that there are co-owners who don't understand this concept right there are there are fantasy managers who don't get it so uh the best thing you can do when you're making those trade offers and trying to move up is Give them a reason to say yes.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, you got to look at the, your trade partner's roster and see what makes sense for them as well as you, right? And uh, so thats I think that's really important and a really good point on your part. Uh, also, I guess a time where if you haven't done so, time to get rid of that dead wood that's on your roster. I mean, I don't know if there's any players – that you could think of that it's time to move on from. But, you know, in some instances, it, it might be a, a tough time to make, like, real hard choices because some of the players that you've invested some some serious draft capital, uh,
1: maybe it's time to just walk away at this point, no? Yeah, I mean, it is. The first thing, and we we've talked about this a few times, your draft capital is already spent. Mm-hmm. It's gone. It's August 8th. Where you drafted a guy on March 8th doesn't have bearing anymore. Right. It's all gone. Right now, players who were drafted earlier are often ones with extreme underlying talent. So that still matters. But like where you drafted them doesn't. Mm -hmm. This isn't April. This isn't May. It's August. So I've actually got a whole list of guys I can read off here. Players that, uh, this is mostly for 10 and 12 team leagues. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to just move on from. Go Uh, for it. And not that like they should be cut and never picked up again. More like these are guys on the streaming radar now. These are Mm -hmm. guys that I only want in certain situations. And there are many situations where I'd consider cutting them. And I'll just read them off. Eddie Rosario, if you need that IL spot, he hasn't been that good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he has cool talents, but there's not enough time for him to get there. He's supposed to be an accumulator and he can't do that on the IL. Kevin Biggio, who I really like. I love the power speed here, but it's just not there. He's hitting at the bottom of that order. You know, hitting at the bottom of the order for the Blue Jays is a lot better than hitting at the bottom of the order for anyone else. But he's not doing anything, and he's crushing you in batting average leads. Mm-hmm. Carlos Santana, he's got OBP, but nothing else on a Royals team that's no good. Just not good. So uh, I'm ready to move on from him. Joey Wendell had a really nice start to the season. Now he's not even playing every day. Uh, it's a huge log jam over in Tampa Bay. He's going to have some good games. But, like, that's an extreme amount of management for a limited amount of fantasy upside, right? He's mostly just a contact guy. Paul DeYoung, I've never been a huge fan. He's, he's a power-hitting shortstop, but we got a bunch of those these days. And he's not hitting for all that much power lately. I'm ready to move on. A painful one, another one. Eugenio Suarez has moved to the short <laughs> side of a platoon. He's Mm got to go. You Mm -hmm. you can't, unless you're in like some dynasty or keeper or 15 teamers, then maybe because you just really need that home run upside. He's still hitting those. Everything else is bad. You can't do it. Brandon Nimmo, a guy I like is a real life leadoff hitter who doesn't do anything for fantasy right now. He doesn't hit home runs. He doesn't steal base. He doesn't do anything. And it's not that that's bad. I mean, there's other guys I like in that mold, like a Luisa Reyes or a David Fletcher, but those are streamers. You don't just roster them and don't do anything else. He's rostered in about half of leagues, and it seems strange, especially in the 10 and a 12-teamer. Uh, on the pitching, you know, a couple of pitchers, Tuki Toussaint was a hot little pickup mm-hmm. uh, because he had some good starts. It's not there. He's an up-and-down guy. You should be playing the matchups here. Rich Hill, another guy. I'll pick him up for the right matchups, but it's just not there like it was earlier this season. The upside's kind of limited, so yeah, not that in- interested. If you are, if you're in a Roto league, ignore this one, but if you're in a head-to-head categories or a points league, Tommy Edmond just doesn't really have a lot of room on your roster, extreme positional versatility, but otherwise he's not hitting home runs. Really? He's stealing a couple bases here and there, but which is really valuable for Roto, but with everything else so bad, I just don't need to roster him, especially now that he's at the bottom of the lineup instead of the top. So he's not getting the runs either. That's a problem. Joe Rochelle has been very average. You don't need to hold on to him while he's on the IL. And finally, a bunch of people are still clinging to the hope that is Garrett Hampson, and the Rockies are really bad. Like, you can stream him at home, especially if he's against a team that allows a lot of stolen bases. But Mm -hmm. other than that, there's nothing here. Let it go. He has, like, a – it's amazing. He has a career weighted runs created plus, which puts people on a 100-point scale. 100 is average. Every point worse than 100 means what percentage below average they are. His career WRC Plus is like 67. He's like two-thirds wow. of an average ball player. He mm. just steals bases. There's nothing else. Let it go, right? And then, finally, a bunch of rookies that are really cool upside that <laughs> you just don't need to hold on to right now because it's not there. Cabrian Hayes just hasn't been the guy we need him to be in, a 10- or 12-teamer, especially if you don't have a corner infield. He's not a top 12 third baseman right now. Jaron Duran, not playing as often as we'd probably like him to. And he's just not a top, you know, 60, 70 outfielder right now. Right. Is the upside there? Sure. But it it's not. Like, if you're in first place and you can afford to use that roster spot, fine. If you're in the middle of the pack, you can't. You can't just keep holding him. Pavin Smith, another guy, very average. Mm-hmm. He can do some things with good matchups. I'll tell you, I, I just released an article on Sunday about hitters to stream for the week. The Diamondbacks are not one of them. They have a terrible week of matchups. I'd probably be cutting him for a different streamer. Nate Lowe. I mean, he's just striking out way too much. The is in there. It's so streaky. Let him go get something else. And finally, the one that I really wish wasn't true, but it is right now, unless you really need steals, Jazz Chisholm. He's really on the border for me right mm-hmm. now. He's, he's a one category guy for most folks. He he's day to day every day, mm-hmm. right? He's a really difficult thing and he's not doing enough to justify all that headache. So all those guys I listed, I'm not saying they're terrible. I'm not saying they have no upside. I'm saying in a 10 or a 12 teamer, these are streamers. Right. These are guys that can come in and out of your lineup that you, if you're up, you know, it's a tough decision, but it, these are ones that it's tough, but you can cut them. Mm-hmm. You can let them go. If there's something better on the wire that, you know, a week of good matchups, maybe like a rowdy to Les has a really nice week of matchups. I would absolutely cut Carlos Santana, Joey Gallo. Uh, sorry, not Joey. Gallo, Joey Wendell, mm-hmm. Kevin Biggio. You know, Garrett Hampson easily, probably even can Brian Hayes or Jaron Dern. If Rowdy Teles is out there with a great set of matchups uh, so that he can hit a bunch of left-handed home runs, mm-hmm. right? Like, those are the decisions you can make now. You can play this week to week. That's the real lesson here. It's not that these individual names I've dropped are guys you really need to have, like, a hard decision on and that I have all this great data. A lot of it is they are streamers, and there are other streamers available. Mm -hmm. that might have better weeks and play it week to week right now, especially if you're trying to climb those standings.
0: Right. That's a a great list. And I'm going to throw some players at you. And and some of the players I'm going to throw at you now uh, are players that, if you do decide that it's time to cut ties with them, you're just going to have to face facts that – once your league may see these guys on the waiver wire, they might just jump on them. But one one guy, I, I think it's pretty obvious. I don't think he'd be picked up that quickly, but Rangers outfielder Adolis Garcia, right? Batting 158 over the past month. That 30% K rate has really caught up to him, right? Um, Matt Chapman is a time ace third baseman batting 215 with a 370 slug, just 14 home runs on the season. All right, uh, Cody Bellinger, batting 127 against fastballs this season in, in his first 52 games, 173 batting average with six home runs. Christian Yelich has been in and out of the lineup all season, uh, 68 games though, with a 234 batting average, six home runs, tons of strikeouts, right? DJ LeMahieu, I mean, gives you great flexibility, could play everywhere. But entering uh, today, Sunday's action, 267 batting average, seven home runs, 44 ribbies in 104 games played. I mean, you look at guys, you know, uh, Jonathan India, for example, right? And you compare his stats to DJ LeMahieu. India coming into today's action, 287, 13 home runs, seven stolen bases, 64 runs scored and 48 RBI. Uh, Other guys at second base that, Putting up similar stats to LeMahieu, Josh Rojas, and Josh Harrison. Any of these guys you would consider? And, and of course, you'd have to kind of take a, a look at the individual team, the individual league. But any of these guys, you think that are, are worthy of just finally cutting ties with?
1: Yeah, actually, there are. I think the first one, the first one you named, Adolis Garcia. It's hard to understate how bad the Rangers' offense is right now. Hmm. You know, they they lost Joey Gallo. Actually, I tweeted this the other day, and I just want to read it because it's this this kind of team context that can really crush a player. Because even if he wasn't striking out 30% of the time, this would be tough. As a team, over the last 30 days, the Texas Rangers have a 532 OPS. That's 140 points lower than any other team. It's 280 points lower than the league-leading Jays. It's actually worse than the OPS coming into Sunday's games. It's worse than the OPS of any qualified hitter. There are 138 qualified hitters. The lowest OPS for any qualified hitter is 542. It's Kevin Newman. Newman. The Texas Rangers have been worse than Kevin Newman. Newman. Like as a whole, right? That's Newman. <laughs> Kevin Kevin Newman's 10 points of OPS better. <laughs> like you have to like 532, like it's really hard to understand how bad they've been. So, what if he was hitting home runs? He could hit 10 home runs. He'd have 10 RBI. Mm. That team's got nothing in the tank. There's just, what's the upside? Just home runs? Because there's a bunch of guys I'd rather have or trade for. You think the person who rosters, Eugenio Suarez, doesn't want to trade him to you? He absolutely does. Mm-hmm. Right? People want to make those trades. Do it. Power's available. Because there's going to be a lot of people who feel like they've already got it. So go and get it. Right? Um, Cody Bellinger's really tough because we keep seeing these up and down seasons. This is probably the worst one we've seen in quite a while. Yeah. And the fact that he's in, pl- in a platoon means that if you're in a 10 teamer, I do think it's fine to cut him. I think the most shallow format that I'd hold a guy like Cody Ballinger is 12 teamer with five outfielders and a corner infield spot mm-hmm. and daily moves, which is really depressing. Cause like Cody Ballinger was a very early pick and I have to put up all these conditions in which I would roster Cody Ballinger. Mm-hmm. 12-teamer and five outfielders and a corner infield spot and daily moves right because anytime a lefty comes up he's not playing mm-hmm. he just can't right now uh the Dodgers aren't like they're if they were running away with this division they might let Cody Bellinger you know work it out on the field but mm-hmm. they're not they've right. got these pesky Giants running around beating them all the time so <laughs> that's a problem uh you know DJ LeMayu you, his is a little different because I do think he can still be a top 15 to 20 player at first, second and third base, right? Like he's at least still giving you, he's not hurting you everywhere. Right. Right. And it wouldn't be that crazy if he went on a little power binge, uh, on like a homestand or something like that. You obviously you have to keep him in a 15 teamer because you need that versatility. If you've got a shallow bench, uh, holding Lemayhu makes sense because you can cover multiple positions with one bench spot. That really helps. Uh, I mean, if you could make the swap for Jonathan India, you absolutely should. However, India's rostered in like 75% of leagues now because people yeah. have finally started to notice that he's having a great season. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. And and that's sort of the, the one fact that sort of underlies all of this discussion, that these are all players that are streamers, but don't just cut them to cut them, right? Like, what's out there? What are you doing it for? Like, I'm not cutting DJ LeMayhew, uh for a guy who has one good-looking week coming up. I'm not mm-hmm. cutting him for... Jonathan Daza on a homestand. He's not on a homestand this week. They just finished one. I would never do that because that's like a, that's like a eh, fifth outfielder kind of make a move. That's fine. If I had, you know, that's something I would do with like a Josh Rojas, right? Mm-hmm. Like, all right, you can go. I'll stream someone else from week to week. Cause I can probably pick you back up when I'm done. That ain't going to happen with LeMahieu. Someone in your league needs a first, second or third baseman and he'll be the most appetizing one on the waiver wire. Yep. So if you're yep. going to make that move and you can just make sure that you're ready, you're prepared to do that because what's out there is better.
0: Mm-hmm. Since we're talking about players that we're looking to cut ties with, uh, I'll give you a, a question that uh, I saw on Reddit. And it, I know you love these, these you are know, rest of season uh, questions. And you mentioned some rookies to cut ties with. And and uh, someone's asking about who uh, is the best option among these four players for rest of season. And one of them is uh, Jerry Kalinick. Uh, Max Kepler, Justin Upton, or Anthony Santander. I could tell you firsthand, Santander's just been killing me, <laughs> but he actually had a good day today. But any of these guys worth holding on to more than the other? Does I mean, anyone I'll start stand with up? the easy
1: ones. Mm-hmm. Upton and Santander can go. I loved mm-hmm. what Upton was doing as a leadoff guy earlier this yeah. season, but he's not that right now. Uh, he, he's back to being the Upton that you don't really need in 12 team fantasy league. So mm-hmm. he can probably go Santander, He's, he's a power only guy that hasn't been hitting for a ton of power and his batting average has been terrible. He's very replaceable. Lots of stuff on the wire that you can get. And you know, what can be tough with power hitters is exactly what we saw with Jorge Soler this year. Terrible, utterly terrible until he wasn't. And then he just absolutely raked, Mm -hmm. right? He's been like a top 15 hitter in like actually a top 15 player in fantasy for like two weeks now. And it's really hard because power hitters can go on these streaks, but Santander doesn't have that kind of power, right? Guys like Santander who could hit 30 home runs, they can go because there's lots of guys that could hit 30 home runs that are probably available, right? Um, I think the, you know, I really wanted Kepler to be better than he's been, but He's not like he's playing most days, which is cool. And he's leading off against righties, which is cool. And the play discipline's pretty good, but the results are bad. He's hitting 205 on the season on the season, 291 on base percentage. It's really hard to hang on to a guy like that. And quite frankly, he's been much worse since the all-star break. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember I had to look. I was like, well, has he been better since the all-star break? And the answer is absolutely not. He's hitting 163 since we had the all-star break, which isn't a huge sample, but it's 89 plate appearances, and he's slugging 338. That's what I need his OBP to be, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's what I need from Kepler. He's not doing it. Kelenic becomes sort of the the winner by process of elimination, but also he's got a 130 WRC plus in his last 51 plate appearances. Nice. He had the best upside all around here, and so, you know, he's, and he's getting some run, with the Mariners, there's a lot to like about what Kellenic can do. There's a reason that he was a, a, you know, widely regarded as a very, you know, as a top prospect. So that's a guy I'd much rather have. Um, you know, the thing with this one that was kind of weird was I'm usually expecting to see like an argument where I could say, "Well, but I'd pick this guy in this scenario." That ain't it. Here it's mm-hmm. Kellenic, and and then a bunch of guys that like are painful to roster in fifteen teamers. Mm-hmm right? That you, that you are thinking about cutting in 15 teamers. So uh, it's definitely Kellenick, and I'm not worried. Like he was real bad to start the season. I think everybody kind of remembers that. And when guys go down for as long as he did, I'm willing to forget what happened then. Right. Especially when he's, he's been quite good. Yeah. Okay. So just reminding everyone, keep on working that wave of wire even
0: more important now, because we're going to start seeing some more players getting called up for the minor leagues and, and just seems that there's uh, players that we've forgotten about because they've been on the IL so long. They're going to be starting to come back. Uh, one guy in particular, uh, Wascar Enoa Braves pitcher uh, who's been on the IL after he broke his hand uh, punching a wall after a bad, bad outing and hurt, hurt my one of my fantasy teams. Thank you. But uh, he could be coming back soon. I think he's doing some rehab work. Uh, just one example. And let's go over a couple of other things going on. Uh, recent player news, Scott, uh, we, we got COVID still showing its ugly head and it, and, and the Yankees getting killed and, it, you know, you, you kind of wonder what's going on with the Yankee franchise and, and Aaron Boone's trying to say, well, you know, we stems from that uh, weekend in, in Florida. Well, I, I don't know. I don't see other Florida teams having such a big outbreak with, with COVID, but just today. And we're, like I said, we're recording this podcast Sunday, August 8th and uh, Anthony Rizzo Tested positive for COVID nineteen on Saturday, uh, was out of the lineup today, and uh, Luke, which actually gave Luke Voigt a chance to probably have a couple of weeks w- with the Yankees because he was just going to be uh, uh, playing for the Yankees minor league team for a little while. But has some symptoms, so that's uh, the news with Anthony Rizzo, uh, Chris Sale, Scott, four and two thirds scoreless innings for Boston's AAA affiliate on Saturday, and this Saturday coming up. He's going to get his first start against the Orioles. Nice first start,
1: right? Yeah. I mean, you know, those poor kids in AAA, you know, just just trying to impress their managers and having to look at the, you know, having to look at the opposing lineup and be like, oh, that Chris Sale? Mm-mm. Right? Like, uh, so it's really cool. He's coming back. And I really like that matchup against the Orioles. I'll be very interested to hear what Nick has to say after watching that start. I'll be probably doing my best to watch it myself. The mm-hmm. Orioles are pretty soft matchup for the most part they can you know they can hit a little bit but uh you know there's there's still a lot to like there especially um you know with how sale you know throws left-handed so it can neutralize the most exciting Oriole, which is cedric mullins a bit Mm -hmm. but you know again very interesting to watch and a guy who you know i've got him on a roster or two and i'll probably be firing him up right away which isn't something i usually do with someone who's been gone as long as chris sale but uh you know I kind of have to as well, right? Like, I can't afford to leave a, you know, four four and two score, you know, four and two thirds scoreless innings. I can't leave that on my bench anymore.
0: Right, right. I was going to ask you about that whether or not, you know, if you did roster him, if you'd feel comfortable putting in uh, your starting lineup right away. uh, Because it just seems that most pitchers who come off of Tommy John surgery, do well. The other, the one thing that seems to be a common theme that is a problem for pitchers coming off of Tommy John surgery is command. But like you said, four and two thirds scoreless innings, something to to, to take take note of. And, and just one other thing, and then we could go back to this if you like, but I, I, since we were talking trades before, I did notice that uh, in the Yahoo, you know, they list all the trades that go on.
1: Chris Sale for Christian Yelich, would you do that? I love that trade. I love that trade for both sides because presumably these two folks like aren't crazy Mm -hmm. and aren't entirely stupid. And there's a reason they did this. One of them probably felt really good about their pitching situation. The other one felt like they were strong in the outfield. Mm -hmm. So both teams are like, all right, hey, I'll swap risk for risk. Mm -hmm. Extreme upside for extreme upside. Right? Like I think, I think I prefer sale Mm -hmm. right now because the news is good and the news for Yelich isn't right but that's recency bias right like in a week from now i might look like an idiot because yelich could be yelich for a week right the brewers have some really nice matchups coming up particularly for left-handed hitters he could absolutely dominate for a week Mm -hmm. right and and then maybe you know that does a lot but i love those kinds of moves Mm -hmm. right like especially if you're talking about like a yahoo publicly or like a redraft or something like you make take a shot you know Again, I don't recommend like the Ricky Bobby strategy of like, if you ain't first, you're last Mm -hmm. and just like completely, you know, like, you know, shoot for the stars. But, you know, as long as you're within some kind of reason, as long as you can logically explain what it is you're doing, other than like, I like this guy, brah, uh, if you can logically explain it, which I'm sure they can for this one, I could come up with several explanations for why you do this. Do it. It's fun. It's fancy baseball. supposed to be fun. This trade Like both people on this trade are probably having a lot of fun right now, Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't work out for either of them. Right. It was still fun. That moment of like, yeah, I'm doing it. Pull the trigger. Like, let's do this. Like have some fun with it.
0: Yeah. The guy or gal who rostered Chris sale for this entire time has basically um, been able to live without him. Right. So I, I like with the way you described it. you know, risk for risk and, uh, yeah, and it, it, it is what fantasy baseball is all about in terms, especially if you play in a league that allows trades. Uh, Travis Darno, catcher for the Braves. Uh, he could be activated as soon as this Tuesday. Um, and I uh, got a Reddit question for you. Travis Darno or Mitch Garver, rest of season?
1: Yeah, this is a fun one. Um, <clears throat> So Darno, as soon as his body is able, he's going to go back to catching like four or five days a week. Mm-hmm right he he's going to be the everyday guy and he's probably going to bat still close to the middle of that lineup which i really like the thing is Dar- or garver does have a lot more power and if it's an obp league I- i'll strongly consider garver in a batting average league for me it's darno hmm. like because the the differences are stark we're talking about like a like a 50 to 70 point batting average difference between these two when they're when they're going well right. garver's never going to hit for batting average darno will so it's a bit league dependent. I think they're both going to be guys that you do just sort of roster and hold out at catcher. Uh, but, you know, the thing with Garver is, again, he's you really need to be power hungry and you need to be in an OBP league. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the negatives are just too much. Whereas Darno is a little more versatile and then he's not going to crush you on the ratios. He doesn't walk much, so the OBP is not great, but it's good for a catcher, right, because it's above 300. And he can hit for some power. He'll get RBI in the middle of that lineup. He can do some good stuff. So there are scenarios where I take Garver, but most scenarios, it's Darno.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Jack Flaherty, St. Louis Cardinals ace, set to make his return from the IL this week. I've been holding on to him, uh, one of my leagues, for a while. And he also gets a very favorable matchup this week. he uh, His first start is going to be against the Pirates. Fernando Tatis Jr., Kind of define the odds again, right? Uh, May be able to return to game action without having to undergo surgery. Now, there's no exact timetable yet for his return, but supposedly he's progressing quicker than expected. Uh, I don't know if you saw this where he was uh, uh, shagging fly balls instead of field, and, and uh, you know, some people were thinking, hey, he's he's going to play outfield. <laughs> but, you know, the way for uh, Tatis has been going, that just seems that. You know, as soon as he is back in a lineup, he produces.
1: Yeah, you know, first of all, all of the sourpusses out there saying that they should just shut him down and save him for the rest of his career. Having surgery now and having surgery a little later doesn't change his career trajectory. This is fixable by surgery. He's going to have it. There's no yeah. question he's going to have surgery. The question right now is when. He's got a team that looks playoff-bound, that looks good enough to win a World Series. Like, for God's sakes, let's have some fun with let. If Tatis is healthy enough to play, he knows his body. He's been managing this injury for a long time, right? He knows what he can play on and what he can't. You don't see him playing through when you watch him and it's, you know, you. I haven't seen a point this season where I'm watching him and I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. with how he's playing. If the kid says he's healthy enough to play, enough under play. Look, he recognizes it's getting worse. Everybody recognizes that it's getting worse, not better. That's right. why they're going to have surgery. They're not doing it yet. And quite frankly, there's a ten percent chance Fernando Tatis is going to play that day. Play him, put mm-hmm. him in your lineup because he's better than everybody else at baseball. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not, it's not a difficult thing to think of when he's out. Like when he's playing, he's better than everyone else. Right, mm-hmm. he's so good. Like, yeah, we could haggle over maybe like two or three other guys, but like Acuna is not healthy right now. So, how many people are as good as Fernando Tatis that are playing right now? Mm-hmm. Trout's out. Like, it's not many. It's him. It's Tatis.
0: It, even Soto now is day to day with a knee issue, and Betts seems to be day to day almost every day. And you know he he's been playing some second bases as well, so that's interesting. But you you're right. I mean, that first group, that first a bunch of that first round has had these uh, uh, nagging kind of injuries. And I guess when it comes to trout, it's a little bit more than nagging because he's been out since, since May 18th. But you're right. When Tatis is on the field, when he's in a lineup, you do need to start him.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, stop overthinking it. Like, Oh, what if he's injured? There's like right now it's like best player, like best active players in baseball are like Vlad Guerrero jr. And Fernando Tatis jr and Shohei Ohtani, Hmm. right? And then when it comes to, like, all-around threat, like, Tatis can hit 30 home runs and steal 20 bases. Like, the only other guy that can do that is Major League home run leader Shohei Ohtani, right? Like, I guess I shouldn't say Tatis is the best player in baseball because Ohtani still exists, but, (laughs) like, Tatis has played 20 less games than those guys. Yeah. And he's only behind Guerrero by three home runs, and he's got 21 more steals. Like, it's unbelievable.
0: Yep. Moving on, Joe Adele. We were talking about him a lot earlier in the season. Finally gets called up. First five games, 23.8% K rate. A lot better than that 417 K rate that he showed last season. Um, You could talk about him, and I'll give you at the same time this Reddit question. Someone wants to know, in a 10-team, 25-man roster redraft league, drop Adele or Charlie Blackman?
1: I'll start with the answer to the question. And I'm also going to tell you later why I like Adele so much, but the answer is Blackman, right? Hitting 296 since the all-star break, three home runs, two steals, and no playing time concerns. Blackman's the best player on this team, not named Trevor Story. It's like Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, everybody else, Mm -hmm. right? Other guys have been good in in like, you know, way, like flashes, right? Like Ryan McMahon has been good. I'm still a little skeptical. Let's see. I want to see what he does next year, but he's been good. But like those three guys play every day, everybody else, eh. We'll see what happens. So you know, Blackman. The thing with Adele, you would drop him.
0: You would drop him. No, I would
1: drop Adele. You got to keep Blackman. Sorry, I answered a little backwards. You got to keep Blackman. You drop Adele. But man, what a what a horrible situation to be in because I think these are both top 250 guys. Must Mm -hmm. be a loaded hitting lineup that there's not anyone else to cut out of the Mm -hmm. outfield. It's a ten team league, so yeah, Yeah, maybe it's like ten team league deep Mm -hmm. rosters and they only like they only start like four outfielders or something like that. It's plausible. But not fun, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> not fun when you got to cut Joe Adele. The thing with Joe Adele, uh, you know, the only concern I have with him is playing time. Uh, Jared Walsh could be back any moment now. They they were thinking he might even be activated over the weekend. He could be back any moment, and that's just going to create a little bit of playing time concern. I know Walsh is you know probably going to play first base, but you know they might have to move some pieces around to get everybody playing time. And then in September, they're probably going to call Taylor Ward back up, who had some really nice stints early in the season. Trout might be back close to that time. Uh, we're finally getting a little bit of good news out of there. So it could become a little bit of a log jam. But what I really like about Joe Adele is actually what we talked about early in the season. What we wanted to see from Joe Adele was a drop in the strikeout rate in the minors. And sure enough, month of July, 24.4% strikeout rate in the minors. Is that amazing? No. Is it playable? Absolutely. In this day and age, yes. Yeah, Adele is this extremely athletic prospect, like athletic, like not quite as fast, but athleticism like Byron Buxton athleticism. Like guy that when you watch him, you're like, whoa, this guy could play any sport he wanted. He just happens to play baseball. Amazing athlete uh, and was once talked about as the top prospect in baseball right? Like before Wanda Franco came, it was Joe Adele. Mm-hmm. He was the guy because you just saw all the physical gifts, all the tools. So the strikeout rates down. Does that mean he's going to be, you know, do I think he's going to be like a top 50 outfield the rest of the season? I don't, I, I don't think like that's there because it's hard to project that for a guy who's seen so many struggles at the major league level. But I love seeing that strikeout rate come down in the minors. Joe Adele only striking out 24.4% for the month of July, plenty of at-bats. It's only five games with 23.8 suggests there is some change to his uh, to his approach here. We're going to see three and four strikeout games. That's just going to happen because pitchers, like he's going to face good pitchers, and these pitchers are going to find some holes that kind of baffle him for a game. But the way you keep a strikeout rate of 24.4% isn't never having three strikeout games. It's when you have one, you make the adjustments you need to do. Mm-hmm. Joe Adele is doing that. He had three strikeout games in the minors, but he wasn't doing it every single night. That's what was happening before. It's not happening now. Really excited about the outlook. And I think 2022 is going to be a really interesting time, especially if Joe Adele continues to have this kind of plate discipline for the rest of the season. That's gonna be really interesting. I have no idea how I'm gonna project this guy if he's got this like month and a half sample of like good plate discipline. And then everything else that showed, quite frankly, terrible Mm plate discipline. Mm -hmm. You know, recency bias, I think, will come in, and I really want Joe Adele to be this. Uh, very exciting player, and I think he will be, but like we can't totally forget about a 41% strikeout rate quite yet.
0: Right, right. Going to be an interesting outfield uh, potentially uh, for the Angels next season with, we'll, we'll say, Jared Walsh and and Trout and uh, Brandon potential- Marsh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, a yeah. lot
1: of outfield prospects, like a good problem to have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, thinking about Trout, you know, it just, you know, you missed. Uh, ton of time this season and and last season you know was was a shortened season and you just I, I know this guy's gonna make the hall of fame and he's gonna hit 500 maybe even you know 600 home runs it just basically two lost seasons it kind of feel bad for the guy <laughs> you know i mean especially
1: with how great he is like yes. not just at baseball yes. but just as a as a guy mm-hmm. like, is there is there such thing as like like is there i've never seen anything close to negative mike trout press and quite frankly i don't want to any right. if you have it don't ever show it to me i don't want it right <laughs> to right. me mike trout is the wholesome the wholesome guy mm-hmm. he looks like and he's the millville meteor right mm-hmm. like one of my favorite nicknames in baseball right now the millville meteor it's got that old timey feel to it mm-hmm. i love everything about mike trout and while we've had an awesome season It'd be better if Trout was playing.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. So, um, any uh, post MLB trade line deadline reactions from you? I'll just bring up a couple. And then, if you have any, you know, obviously let us know. But Abraham Toro, everyone's talked about this guy, it seems, you know, from the Mariners uh, in his first 11 games uh, with Seattle, 425, batting average, three home runs, seven RBI. And Mariners probably saying, thank God. I mean, after the clubhouse (laughs) erupted uh, when they traded uh, Kendall Graveman away to the Astros. I mean, he's got some good underlying skills. I mean, fantasy managers get excited. If you read Reddit, he's all over uh, the Reddit feed. And I mean, you know, us fantasy managers were always looking for that shiny new toy. Uh, But he's got excellent power. But what I like about him, Scott, he also swings a disciplined bat, just a 15 percent K rate.
1: Yeah, he, he's a real, you know, he's shown excellent play discipline in the minors as well. Even when he wasn't hitting well in the major leagues, he wasn't striking out a ton. So he puts a lot of bat on the ball. Uh, you know, I think Reddit likes him a lot more than I do, but this is still an exciting player. And I think in, in most leagues, he deserves to be picked up while he's playing well. Like, even if the matchups don't look great, this was a guy that was always sort of like, he, he's a little bit toolsy. Like, I don't want to say toolsy. Like I just talked about Joe Adele being toolsy. Mm-hmm. This guy's not like that, but he has some speed. He has. He has like, he's pretty good at like everything, mm-hmm. right? Not great. Like he's like his, uh, you know, his hit tool was rated at like a 50 or 55. That's pretty good. Right. Uh, 50 power, 55, 60, you know, 55, 60 speed, uh, a little bit of everything, right? That's what's like. He's, you know, he really looks like an everyday player. I wonder how, you know, how many stats he'll put up in a full season. You know, that, like that's kind of the thing to me is like, In a full season, it might not look like much, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Like 20, 25 home runs and like five stolen bases with a decent batting average. Like that's kind of what I see, which is cool, but like not news, like not multiple Reddit posts a day news, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But right now he is that. He's getting a chance to play. He was kind of buried in Houston for a very long time. I like that he's getting a chance to play. He's playing well, start him, but it'd be a very short leash for me. Mm -hmm. A bad week and he's gone. Mm-hmm. Probably finding something else, right? Because this, these aren't so like there's not this underlying skill set that's so valuable. Like, I'd be a little more patient in like a points league because of how much Woody puts on the ball, but otherwise, it, it, there's no loud skills here on a team that has a middling offense at best, mm-hmm. right? It's probably mm-hmm. more accurate to describe it as not good,
0: right? Right. Um, Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo, I mean, uh, you know. I had uh, Anthony Rizzo penciled in to talk about, but uh, obviously with the COVID news, he's going to be out for, I would guess, at least 10 days because he has symptoms. But, uh, you know, you can't really understate what these two guys, especially Rizzo, have done for the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of the of the Yankees and. All of a sudden, uh, it's it's a uh, uh, there's electricity in the stands, you know. And uh, Joey Gallagher, did you see that home run he <laughs> hit the other night? Forty eight degree launch angle, a three run shot. Uh, I don't know if you saw the the replay of that, but uh, you know, Cashman, uh, Yankee GM, taking a lot of grief, but these two trades have really helped out. You know, balance out the Yankee lineup with some lefty uh, hitters. Um, Starley Marte traded to the A's. You have to think that maybe the A's had an inkling that Ramon Laureano was going to get that uh, 80-game PED-related suspension, right? Um, Ian Kennedy, we talked about him last week retaining a closers role with the Phils and uh, all of a sudden allows them to stretch out Ranger Suarez Suarez, uh, as a starting pitcher and hey the Phillies are in first place right the Mets I think they're in third now right and uh, Kyle Finnegan for the Nationals closing out games for them and and to quote the great uh, Todd Zola don't pay for saves until uh, after the trade deadline right and uh, you know uh, more Nats news uh, Carter Kaboom finally starting to show a little bit of that hit tool that, uh, a lot of the, uh, top, uh, prospects analysts knew he had. And then, and this guy, Yadil Yadil Hernandez outfield, they're going to be playing every day, veteran outfield prospect with a good bat. Um, so th- I'm just looking at both of them right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of things to talk about there, you know, first of all, you know, Brian Cashman, you know, good job. You, you found the two very best left-handed bats that were available and you went and got them yeah. right. Like, you know, credit to him for getting it done, but like, it's hard not to look good when the two guys you got were Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo,
0: mm. right?
1: Like those are guys that are kind of designed to make you look good Right. because they're really good. Like they're really good baseball players. So, so that was big. You know, I obviously, you know, hit a bunch of home runs, you get people excited, uh, bummer about the Ramon Lariano suspension. I don't think it changes anything for Marte though, other than the fact that this team is still going to continue to scrap away mm-hmm. to try to get wins. And that means they're going to let Starling Marte run. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's pretty nice. Ian Kennedy remains the only closer who was right. really a winner at the deadline. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> because that's just the way it works, man. Most of them aren't, aren't going to better roles and Ian Kennedy did. So good for him. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, Quoting Todd Zola is always a smart thing to do. He's one of the best players out there, yes. uh, In terms of fantasy baseball, one of the smartest guys. Uh, you know, obviously he, the stuff he does with projection systems. I actually, I, I buy his. You mm-hmm. know, it's one of the few things that I, I really make sure I go out and buy is is what he's got over at Masters Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't pay me anything. I guarantee you. he has no idea who I am, but <laughs> I definitely uh, do his stuff. So, and he's right about saves. Uh, we actually, you and I, Joe, are in a league together. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've been looking at it at all.
0: Yeah, the yeah you're doing a phenomenal job. I got to say, you are running it. Uh, kudos to you, man.
1: Yeah, and, and so the thing about it is that uh, we didn't pay for saves ever. Mm-hmm. You know, we we didn't pick anybody in the first, like, 250 picks. And guess what? We're 8-6-2 and two in that category,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right? Like, we're one of the top four teams, five teams mm-hmm. in steals out of 16 because you don't need to pay for saves. Mm-hmm. And one of those guys we got for nothing, Ian Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so we're still rolling, and it's a good point. Like, are there times to pay for saves? Yes. Liam Hendricks has been worth what you paid, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's guys like that, but the, all that stuff in the middle, it's not worth it. Like, very few guys have really like stood out from the middle. Like, Lou Trevino was not, you know, was not like the the big pick, and, and he's he's been good. It's so yes. hard with saves, so he's right. Like that's why I didn't spend when he says don't pay for saves till after the trade deadline. The other thing I try to do is don't dump a whole bunch of fab right away. Yeah. Right. Cause we just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. I had a league where my two closers were Jordan Romano and Brad hand. And I'm still holding both of them. Cause mm-hmm. I don't like, it looks like Romano's still a guy, but God, two bad outings. And it could change. Yeah. It, it's scary now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, those are all good points. I, I know our friend, uh, you know, who has been on the show before Shelly straight, was a big Carter Keyboom fan. I'm yep, sure she's yep. excited that he's doing well. Um, maybe it gets better. At least he's got consistent playing time and there's really nobody breathing down his neck because they gutted their team. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yadiel Hernandez, I, I kind of like he, he was a, a veteran prospect for sure. He's, he's sort of been like a better, more long-term version of what we saw out of Jerman Mercedes earlier this year in terms of a, I like an that older, comparison. Yes. an older prospect who's finally getting a shot? Yeah. Is he someone who, I'm like, you gotta drop what you have to go get him? No, but very valid even in a 10 or 12 teamer as a streamer or a fill-in, especially mm-hmm. if the Nats have some soft pitching coming up. Uh, if you're not using the ESPN Fantasy Forecaster, which I don't work for ESPN, I got nothing to do with them, but uh, the fantasy forecaster is an excellent way to try to figure out who's got, maybe has some good matchups coming up. Um, particularly on like the hitting side, the pitching stuff's good too. I like Nick stuff a little better. Cause I'm a company man, <laughs> but uh, I, I am. Um, I'm a big fan of what Nick does, but with hitting, it, it can be very hard. They do a nice job. You know, it's not perfect, but they do a nice job of giving like a color coded, like, these are how the matchups look for each team. And when the Nats are looking good, I'm usually seeking out Yadier Hernandez Mm -hmm. because every time I let him go, he stays on the wire because no one else has realized that he's been very good.
0: Yes. Yep. 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 Um, All right. So as as we close out, uh, like we started at the top of the podcast, it's getting close to the uh, trade deadline uh, in individual fantasy leagues. Uh, Any uh, advice that you have? I mean, it's, it's, Trade etiquette, you know, I, I don't know if you saw, I put this little uh description of, of something that happened. Somebody put on Reddit, but should I read it? I mean, it's a guy and I agreed to a trade last night, but couldn't process it because guys had played already. He said he was getting up early for a hike and would accept it. I woke up to a text saying that he was going to wait until he saw what was up with Mookie Betts, who wasn't uh, involved in the trade, but he might want to hold on to this hitter if he's out. So as with anything, until it's on paper, signed, accepted, it's not real, but do you feel as though it should be honored? So like trade etiquette, like if you're working out a deal with someone and you kind of think that you have a trade like consummated, but it hasn't happened yet, but somebody comes across, makes you a better deal, you know, what's the etiquette there or, or talk, you know, talk to me about your, what you do when you trade.
1: You know, so... You know, I don't know if a lot of people know this. My background is I'm an attorney Uh licensed in the state of Michigan. And let me tell you, the simple rules always win. Simple rules. To me, that's when it's agreed to on the site. It's a trade mm-hmm. until then it's conversation. That said, this situation here is pretty slimy, <laughs> underhanded. Uh, I probably wouldn't really negotiate with this person ever again. Um and, you know, leagues can make up deals about what acceptance is. But let me tell you something. We talk a lot about acceptance in law school because acceptance is an annoying thing to really get to. And it's it, it's simple on the surface. It can get more complicated. The last thing I want to do is have a conversation with my league mates where I'm sending them snapshot, like, screenshots of texts, right? <laughs> right. Like, that just sounds like, you know, just sounds like bad high school drama, right? I don't <laughs> yeah. want it. So I'd be, you know, I think this person who posts this should be very upset about what's happened mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. Um, it wasn't processed yet. Right. Right. I know I've had leagues where someone says, um, I want this trade and I don't get to it until like after games start the next day. Mm-hmm. And even though I'd agreed to it via text the night before, I don't get to it the next day. And I get yelled at because they really wanted that player for that game. Right. And right. I'm like, I'm sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. I had other stuff to do. And that's why, you know, to me, it's, it's the simple rule that wins when it's done, when it's agreed to, when it's to the commissioner or the league for voting. That's when it's done, mm-hmm. right? That's when it's agreed to like, that's when it's over, right? Uh, we even see this in real life, you know, they'll sort of agree, but until they, until the players go through the physicals, until it's been made official, right? It's not a trade. So, uh, I recommend people do simple rules, but when it comes to trading, I think some of it is, uh specific players because you know, there's certain guys like it's hard for me because I don't know if you've all heard this. I'm a big fan of this guy named Akil Badu. You so know, I, I was, I, I've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I actually just got, you know, no one else will see this, but, but Joe can actually just got um an autographed baseball of Akil Badu. Oh, that's you uh, were yeah, talking it was about really cool. The Tigers had an event that? and I was actually able to yeah, buy yeah. a ball. He, he actually hit this ball. Uh, it was an out, it was a hundred and one mile an hour fly out uh to center field. Uh, against the rangers and it also was a strikeout ball of jonathan scope uh which you know less fun but uh-huh. it did happen uh same ball i'm i'm really pumped about it. i i'm going after Akil badu mm-hmm. uh, especially in like keeper and dynasty leagues and i'm willing to pay the premium cuz that's what i i want him on my team i like him even even with people knowing i like him more than others they don't know the true depths of my depravity uh <laughs> for liking kiel badu so i'm willing to go do that so that, that is something I recommend doing, if only because, like, it's your team. Get right. your guys on it, mm-hmm. right? Like, I guess, and, like, the big money leagues, it's a business or whatever, but that's not why I play, right? Like, uh, those can be fun, but also, like, I want my guys. I want to win with my guys, right? right. Tarek right. is a guy I want to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though right now he's not a great guy to trade for because he's likely going to get that Casey Mize treatment where he pitches fewer innings per game. But you know, if someone's like if someone's trying to fire sale him, I'm going after it because I think I can get it for less. And I do think he'll make meaningful starts in September because AJ Hinch has that team wanting to win. Um, but also, I, I think you know, putting out feelers is a good idea. But I, I think to me, and this is just a me thing, it's not true of everyone. One of the things I hate being asked is: is this guy for sale? What do you want for him?
0: <laughs> then you would do some work, man. If you, you want would... the
1: player, you know, if you want the player, what do you what do you want to give up? Mm-hmm. make me an offer, do something, anything. Say like, I have this guy, this guy, and this guy is at a starting point. Give me a starting point. Because now what you've done is you want a guy and I have to do the work. I got to look at your roster and see what kind of guys I like. Get, <laughs> give me some, tell me what you're willing to trade. Let's see if we're in the ballpark. You're the one that wants a player. If I wanted to trade him, I'd be offering a new trade. You a trade. Come on, man. He's not.
0: I'm that guy and you wouldn't like me, but what I'm trying to do is make you hang yourself because I know what I'd be willing to offer you. But maybe you'd be willing to accept
1: something less than what I'm in. You I, know, I know what I mean? So, this so point it's kind of on the yeah, yeah. I understand it wholeheartedly. I get it. There's a strategic element. But also, I'm, I'm sometimes a little petty about it. And when people ask me that, I say, the best player you'll give me.
0: <laughs> That's a great <laughs> answer.
1: <laughs> what do you wear this guy? The best player you'll give me. Who's that?
0: That's a great answer.
1: And, like and yet like it is, it's a fun answer and it gets us nowhere, right? <laughs> like we're basically back where we started, but um, I I do think you can, if you feel good about the evaluations, like don't, don't dream about like, what if there's a guy better, mm. like what if they'll give me a better player? Like how much better, how much better do you really think you're going to do? Like if, and if that's what you want, shoot that shot, right, start right. there. Mm-hmm. If there's a specific player that you're like, oh, yeah, because like at some point, like you you know logically, people aren't going to trade their you know some you know some player who's a hundred points ahead in the rankings, right? Like mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. So use projections that you like. I think the Bad X is a very good set of projections. It's not the sure. only thing I'd use, but something do. I think another the last thing I'd say is one thing I like to do is I know that a lot of the leagues I'm in, people use projections to do valuations. Mm-hmm. Right? They do uh, FanGraphs Player Rater or Rasball Player Rater. So I use those two, but I look for the stuff I disagree with. I look for players who I think they are too high on, and I look for players who I think they are too low on. And that's how I start my trades. I go, I bet, since I know you like this tool, um, or I have a feeling you use this tool, I bet you'll see this as a big win for you. And maybe it will be. And I'm not going to say I'm smarter than those tools, mm-hmm. but I disagree with their presumptions. Um, I know that earlier this season, I did make some trades for Akil Badu, because... They thought he'd play a lot less than he's playing now. I thought he'd win more playing time and the projection system didn't. Right. Um, those are moves to make because people are, you, you want them to feel like they win. You want that other person because like, that's how that's how you get them to say yes. People right. say yes. Cause they think they're getting the deal. They think they're winning the trade. Let them think that. And if you know what tools they use, if you know that they're big on the ESPN player Raider or the Raswell player Raider or the bad X projections or steamer or whatever, um, you know, use that to your advantage. Sure, yeah. Make Do the stuff that makes them, like, you know, if you're a big pitcher list fan and you know that your league mate's a big pitcher list fan, but you disagree with Nick about a pitcher that he ranks in tier nine and that you think should be up in tier six, make that offer to the other guy. Because you know what that other, or, or, you know, whoever your league mate is. Because what they're going to do is they're going to go to Nick's list and be like, oh man, look, I'm getting a player's 20 points better, right? And he's going to be so happy. And you're going to be like, yeah, you think that. And maybe I'll be wrong, but I'm making the move because I think I'm improving my team. And you think you're improving your team. I just think you're wrong. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Right. So, so like those are things to do. That's how you can make trades happen, uh, you know, and, and shoot your shot. And like, don't be discouraged by, you know, by like grumps like me who get mad when you just say, who do you want for this guy? <laughs> you know, it's one thing to ask—is he available? Because I can say yes, no, right? Mm-hmm. I've had people ask—is Tarek School available? No, go away. Right, right. You would never give me what I'd need, because I don't want anything rational. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get that, but uh, at the same time, yep, you know, sh- shoot those shots, try to make those offers, and if it doesn't work out, that's okay, right? Like if the waiver wire doesn't close after the trade deadline. There's mm-hmm. still going to be big pieces you can get from the waiver wire. You can still out-hustle your league mates at this time of year using that waiver wire. Trades will help. And it's not the big ones. You don't need the big ones. You can out-hustle your league mates by making incremental improvements, or even it might not even be an improvement, right? You might know you're giving the person the better overall deal, but there's no such thing as a vacuum in August, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you gave them a little more you know, overall than you got back, but what you gave up was something you didn't need. Maybe it was steals. You didn't need them anymore. I mean, in Roto, that's hard to come up with, but like in a head-to-head categories league, category, be like, yeah, hey, you know what? I already stink at steals. What's giving up a couple more? Mm-hmm. I don't need them. I want something else. I'll punt that category. You can make that call now. And that's what I think a lot of people need to do is look at not only like what you need, but what can you give up for it? Yeah. And sometimes it's going to be a position because you have depth there. Sometimes it's going to be a stat because you don't need it anymore. You have depth there. Like do that stuff, do that research. And finally, like even if you're the person that just says, you know, what do you want for this player? At least know what you're willing to give up. Mm -hmm. I think the silliest thing in a trade is to go in not knowing what you'd even give up for it or knowing what you'd need back. Do some of that so at least you can, like, streamline. You're going to put yourself in a much better negotiating position when you know what the heck you are willing to give up while the other person just scanning your roster up and down trying to figure out what makes sense.
0: All right. Great stuff from uh, from Scott Chu. And, uh, you know, like I I like what you said, uh, especially with, you know, rostering players that you like. If you're able to win a fantasy championship with players on your roster, imagine winning a fantasy championship, Scott, with uh, Badoo on your on your roster.
1: I mean, it's just you mean a, a, like our league together. That has yeah. both kill Badu and Tarek Skubal. You, yeah. yeah, you talking about that one? That yeah. Well, that one that we're in first when we're yeah. 10 and 0 this week, we're going to yeah. be up by like 15 games. That one. I, yeah. I've never felt better. <laughs> and it's against a bunch of our, a bunch of our friends at Pitcher mm-hmm. List. Like we just crushed the on the corner podcast. Cause I don't think they're paying attention. Whip <laughs> then 10 to nothing. So take that Nick and Alex uh-huh. did it with Badu and Skubal.
0: Ha. <laughs> and take that, right? thing, that feels good. So many uh, fantasy baseball players kind of, and, and obviously it's not, Nick and Alex, but so many others just turning their attention over to the football now. So use that to your advantage.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, I've never been happier. We've got we've got scope on this team. We've got oh, skull Cedric yeah. Mullins on this mm-hmm. team. We've got Akil Badu. We've got Shohei Otani, who I took at the end as like a yes. throw-in, who I thought we'd cut. You told we me you told me way. that you wanted
0: to take uh, you wanted at least one piece of Otani. This was back in what March? Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. And it uh, worked out phenomenally.
1: You know, I, I I I'm not gonna go on the whole thing about like victory laps and <laughs> the ethics and all that. But man, does it feel good? To have this, like to have this team with a bunch of players I love, mm-hmm. and just having a great season so far it doesn't mm-hmm. mean we'll necessarily win. It's a head-to-head league. We have a playoff. We can still lose, but we are cruising, absolutely cruising in this league. We were six games up before, you know, going into this week, and we went ten and zero this week. So we're gonna have like a double-digit uh, lead on this on this league, and it feels great
0: kudos to you Uh, you know i have to give you all the credit uh but i do check in and i'm very very impressed with the way you've managed this team so uh good stuff and uh good stuff scott and we'll see you next week right and want to thank everyone for allowing us to visit with you i mean follow me at joe Galina. follow scott at if the chew fits and scott has some really great Tweets and the, the one he mentioned about the, the, the Rangers, and stuff. just you need to follow Scott if the chew fits. Uh, follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. Uh, and again, if there's anything specific you'd like us to cover, reach out to us right there at Hacks and Jacks PL. Let us know. Uh, follow at PitcherList List Pods, and you'll be informed anytime a new episode drops for any of the great podcasts on our network, the Picture List Podcast Network. Subscribe to Hacks and Jacks on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice review. And as always, We hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.